Okay, the 1st of February is our date, 2023, and uh, we've got a nice sunny day, actually. Just been there for a nice walk down the beach. But I wasn't alone. I have with me Michael once again, Michael Mosiah. So, uh, Michael, uh, nice to have you here down uh, in the Costa Blanca studios. And um, obviously lots of water gone under the bridge since we last spoke. Mm -hmm. Can you put a sort of time when we last spoke? Uh, We've been here probably... Yeah, 12 months. Yeah, about that. 12 months, yeah. Okay, so we have done some quite uh, in-depth stuff about uh, religious beliefs and uh, things yeah. like that, uh, but society's not getting better. It's it's gone pottier, hasn't it? Uh, I think we're still going through a phase. <laughs> well, the, the phase is going. We are going through a phase. It's going on, just on and on and on. It's, and it's my way of being optimistic. Optimism is one thing, but <laughs> uh, there is. We've just been out walking. You've seen the word yeah. plandemia. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So plandemia showed us quite clearly that uh, other people, not just myself or anybody at all that uh, is a friend of mine, has got an idea that something is being planned because mm-hmm. plandemia is that that's the inference, isn't it? And that's that's the one of the reasons why I'm optimistic because regardless of what they're planning, there are people like yourselves and myself and you know with similar mindset to know that there is something not right so i'm optimistic that whatever their plans are it might not come to fruition okay <laughs> that's my hope uh we we've got to also identify the fact we don't know who they are so <laughs> we've got suspicions <laughs> okay we're going to start off by playing a song by bob marley so tell me uh what you know of this particular song um war and um what it is that uh, you like about it Ultimately, you know, as with uh, most of Bob Marley's song, if not all, the message is always po- positive. But this song in particular, um, the, the, the Rastafarian fate, um, the Rastafari fate, the, uh, the leader, um, the appointed leader by the uh, Jamaican Rastas from in the 1930, who hail Haile Selassie from Ethiopia. This was actually his speech. Um, he was speaking uh, to the UN. I can't remember exactly what year, but this was a very important speech to the UN. And um, Bob Marley read the speech and actually um, decided to create a song from it. So okay, the, so the what we do? Words are from the Emperor of Haile, Emperor Haile Selassie. Okay, so we start off by playing the song, and then uh, we'll discuss things from there. Yes. Until the philosophy. Which old one race superior and another inferior is finally and permanently discredited and abandoned. Everywhere is war. It's a war. That until they're no longer first class and second class citizens of any nation Until the color of a man's skin is of no more significance than the color of his eyes Miss a war That until the basic human 
human rights are equally guaranteed to all without regard to race. And it's a war that until that day, the dream of lasting peace, world citizenship, rule of international morality. Illusion to be pursued But never attained Now everywhere is war War And until the ignoble and unhappy regime That hold our brothers in Angola In Mozambique South Africa of a human bondage have been toppled totally destroyed well everywhere is war is a war war in the east war in the west war up north war down south War, war, rumors of a war And until that day The African continent will not know peace We Africans will fight, we find it necessary And we know we shall win As we are confident in the victory of good over evil Good over evil, yeah Good over evil Okay Right, uh, so what do we want to talk about? Well, first of all, tell me what uh, you know of Bob Marley. Well, <laughs> what I know of Bob Marley, he is a musical prophet. That's what I know, and his work is evidence to that. Uh, in terms of his influence throughout the world, in terms of representing Jamaica and spreading the culture and spreading the music globally. You know, everywhere in the world that you go right now, if there's one person out of Jamaica that the world knows, is Bob Marley. Yeah. So. Okay. Uh, that particular song, right, let me give you my own remembrance of where we picked the song up. Um, my little boys and my wife and myself, we'd be driving from Cornwall all the way across to uh, our campsite in France, and we'd have all the Bob Marley songs on. All the lads used to sing them. All the lads used to love, um, you know, your stand-up. Uh, Get up stand-up, yeah. yeah. I mean, they just would sit in the back and sing the songs. And I love the music. Um, I have to say, probably early on, I was aware of the politics, but I probably wasn't as involved in the po politics. Uh, when I was a DJ in the club so you know if we get to about I don't know what year we were talking about probably about 1970-ish then I can remember 
uh, playing free Nelson Mandela. Uh, used to hammer that in the clubs, uh, like a lot of people. We knew that there was injustice. Uh, I had a couple of friends that went out to work in South Africa. They were working in uh, the production of diamonds. Um, so basically, I had an awareness of South Africa. I had an awareness of the fact that um, some British people would have been probably inconvenienced by the fact that uh, the cricket tour would not go to South Africa and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, very interestingly, I'm reading here. So remember, I've got the details in front of me. I'll tell you if I didn't know something or I've never heard of it before, yeah. because yeah. I think, you know, you have to have an honesty in the fact that the Internet is all powerful. If Senor Google gives me this information, then I'll let you know whether I did already know it. Okay, so Bob Marley had to endure ridicule and contempt from black Jamaicans for his mulatto status. Does that mean anything to you? Does that yeah, something? That yeah, you yeah. I mean, it's um, it's it's the, it's the same old thing um, from colonial days where there was a caste system, and I mean, it's not only specific to Jamaica back in those days. You know, in uh, any other. Um, colonized communities or islands or country they tend to have that stigma where if you're darker um, or if you're light skin there's a contrast and there's a conflict so to speak that if you're black stay at the back if you're brown stick around and if you're white you're right so that is the contrast and um, yeah so because of his light color because of his mixed race heritage he was ridiculed. You know, it's hmm. the same old thing. It's a form of bullying. Yeah. yeah uh, you ginger. If you this, you that. It's the same thing. <laughs> well, the, these it's are from kids. From that point of view. You know, kids everywhere. Yeah, I mean, yeah. un unfortunately, you know, if somebody turns up who's a bit fat, they'll get bullied. If you've got somebody that's wearing glasses. So that in the context, that's what it's from. Yeah. Okay. That word mulatto, the first time I heard that word was mm. actually uh, not really... It wouldn't have been in my mind as a racist thing, but I remember the Spinners, the Liverpool group from uh, the early days, used to sing about Sally Brown is a great, is a black mulatto. Hooray, away we go. So, I mean, this was all about uh, the sailors, because uh, the next line was, we drink drum, rum and chew tobacco. Some of these words um, has got some other reference to other languages, you know, um, and it's just a way of expressing and identifying the people at the time. Yeah. But you know, over time, you know, we become politically correct, and then the words become not you're not allowed to use them. Well, I but think originally, you know, it's just words from other languages. That's if you're dark, maroon, color, you know, negra, negro, you know, mulatto. It's the same. Uh, people have got to realise that that. You know, if people um, are going to think immediately that everybody of a certain age is racist, mm -hmm. it could be that maybe up till very recent times, um, that word is now being weaponized both for good and for bad. Mm -hmm. But uh, for me, for example, I just like the song. I like the tune. I like the singing. I didn't really think too much about what the word actually meant. I can see now that uh, it would be equivalent in England. Uh, certainly, I, as you know, come from the Liverpool area. Mm -hmm. And uh, round town, we would have... Um, they used to use the word half-caste, which is not nice. 
Yeah, like I said, in the time, um, those terms were probably used in the sense of describing people. But over time, as, 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 as time goes, it becomes more acknowledged as being derogative. Mm. And, you know, it's just, it is what it is. You don't use those terms now because society said that's incorrect. Well, uh, you see, I, I'm trying to give to this conversation some of uh, my life experience, mm -hmm. which might help certainly anybody listening to realize that, you know, what has become racist probably was never, never racist to the people who were living around where we lived. Because, because the, where the Wirral was. It was used to identify you. I yeah. think it's just identifying. And it's also, in, in identifying it, it means that you are there and we are here or you are that and we are this. So, <laughs> it's, it, it, yeah. And I, I know time, it becomes... I know I told you that uh, I went to school with uh, Peter Noon, who was a black lad. Yeah. Um, now, you, you know, you slap my wrist if I've described that in a way that isn't acceptable. Oh, because, no. you know, Peter was my friend. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah, we yeah. used to walk to school. We used to go from the orphanage where he was. So that's another thing, you see. Um, I was quite happy to have a friend who walked out of an orphanage. Um, he, he was a lovely lad. And uh, we walked issue, to school the together. The issue of identities become a problem, even now up today. Um, people want to be identified as all they want to be identified. And, you know, I'm of a different... Um, genetic pool and you're from a different genetic pool it's uh, identifying ourselves you know don't forget you so. and i have got a lot more in common from a horrible horrible sign that used to go up in landladies windows no blacks yeah no irish yeah. which is my heritage yeah. no dogs and it's just to identify who they don't want so, so with a different name they could have said no glasses no cops if I was a cop, I was, and they don't want glasses or a cop, it was the same. Yeah, but to think that they would write that on a board and put it in the window of their establishment. At the time, it was normal. And that's what I'm saying. It's, it's, just, it's the way we, we, go through this, we go through this phase. And um, they don't say that now, out in public, but there's different ways and different means of actually stopping people from going into certain places. No, but they don't say that. No, this, no, that. You know. So a little later, um, <laughs> uh, when I was playing uh, for the radio, no, it wasn't the radio Merseyside team. It was playing for the Merseyside show business team, mm -hmm. and we had two brothers. One was called Bernie Buzz, who I think uh, one opportunity knocks one particular session, um, and the other was Randy King. And right. Randy uh, used to. They were both soul singers. They were both good soul singers. They came from Upper Parliament Street, the area where the real thing were born, Eddie Amu and people like that. And as part of his act, Randy used to have little plastic gollywogs, uh, gloves, which he'd give out to everybody in, in the social club. Um, I can't remember the song he used to sing, but they'd, everybody put these gloves on. And But there was never ever for me an, uh, a notion of any racist behavior yeah but probably then you know he personally because some people some people they are very canny and they might be um and this is where you can't you can't really say for sure you don't want to judge anyone but some people are canny where they might be glorifying something and and taking we, we call it taking the mick but 
and then other people might be innocently not taking a mic and it's just having a laugh. So it's kind of different. No, but it was even more than that because you don't, you can't tell. This know, was his act. I mean, you know, yeah. nobody, nobody. But if it's and it obviously, obviously, it it was it, it sold. It, it was it sold. It is well, sold. Yeah, it, it it was it was allowed because he could have done it. I've not seen either of the brothers for many, many years, although I did go back up to the world to do my Rock and Rupert act at yeah. a very nice social club. Yeah. And somebody was filming there. And in actual fact, I don't know why it happened, mm. but on the end of the film that he did for me doing my Rock and Rupert act was Bernie Buzz doing his act. Um, which, you know, was just coincidence and we haven't seen each other for many, many years. Okay, going back to the music of um, The Wailers and Bob Marley. Yeah. Right, what, be very honest with me now. What yeah. came first, a liking of the music or a liking of the message? Uh, for me personally. Yes. For me personally, it's, it's a mixture of both because um, growing up in Jamaica um, in the 70s, it was that, era where reggae music was being developed um, coming from ska rocksteady which ska is a version of um, its own kind of fast beat coming from american music r&b rhythm and blues and it developed so jamaica was going through that transition so reggae became more jamaican as a sound so for the the island for everyone reggae was well the grassroots people, reggae was more like, yeah, this is ours. So the music itself, and then Rastafari, the Rastafarians, they decided to start to use the music and teach uh, the message about the social oppression and the the commentary of what was happening through colonialism and all that. So that kind of coincides. So it's it's a mixture. It's difficult to say you know, it's the music or it was the message. I think the music came first, if I'm being honest, it's a sound. We, we identify with the music. The music has been ours, has been Jamaican. Okay. And that was like something to be proud of. So. Radio One was playing a lot of ska mm -hmm. and blue beat. Mm -hmm. And I think probably the sort of first songs that really became part of my DJ experience was, um, Things like uh, Prince Buster. Mm -hmm. um, I used to like a couple of his songs. Um, and then, of course, the Skater Lights. And then, of course, it gets mm -hmm. on uh, Ethiopians, yeah. Yeah, Train yeah. to Scarville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the songs that, you know, really were catchy. So I have to be completely honest and say I didn't really understand anything other than I like the music. And where you, you just heard, you know, the Ethiopians going, Train to Scarville. Boom, 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 boom. It was the bass that actually I yeah, think was yeah, more yeah. involved and different. Now I know in Liverpool we had um, Upper Parliament Street, and there were numbers of clubs which were, I won't say they were out of bounds, but we had seven generations even when I was there um, that could go back. You know, when we had uh, Upper Parliament Street was definitely you knew that that's where you'd get your different nationalities mm -hmm. and um, so it wasn't that it was a no-go area but by the time it got to the 1980s mm -hmm. that's where the riots hit in 
Mm-hmm. Now, before that, I used to DJ at uh, a big, big place called Reese's in Clayton Square. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had all the different factions coming in from various parts of the city. So we'd have from the outer hard knock areas, you'd have your skinheads would come in. And then you'd have all the Chinese lads used to come in. And then all the black lads used to come in. Mm-hmm. And in the mix of all that were all people like probably ourselves who just went out and liked music. Right, and was was it them days, was it um, a variety of music being played or was it a specific um, genre of music or it was just a mix? I, I was beginning to get myself chucked out of places for playing funky music. Uh, but I started off, I used to, I was one of the earliest to start playing uh, Tamla Motown. Right. Um, basically, um, I'd just been, um, I'd been a guest on the Radio One Road show with Emperor Roscoe. And so the agents were selling me out as Radio One DJ, mm-hmm. you know, not that I've ever used it or capitalized on it because basically uh, at that time I'd only done the one show, you know, and, and quite honestly, um, everything was really down in London. It was difficult enough getting myself on Radio Merseyside uh, but when it came to going out and playing my music yes I would get the promotion copies so the record companies would send me whatever uh, I liked I would listen to and think right that would be good or I'd go to the record shop and as much as possible I would get the, the earliest possible Tamla Motown releases so certainly people like Stevie Wonder and um, The Temptations and Edwin Starr and all these obviously the Supremes and the Four Tops uh, all that sort of music would be what I played so really I got more people coming to me because they liked to dance the black lads used to come in and teach me the James Brown dancers mm-hmm. funky chicken yeah no no no, no that was Rufus Thomas, that was Rufus Thomas. yeah yeah um, no, when, when we came to the James Brown stuff I mean they learned the dancers pretty well yeah. and then for me I went to see James Brown in Geneva with my sister mm-hmm. early on yeah. and I just thought he was fantastic and basically I just loved that music uh, going back to uh, Bob Marley then mm-hmm. so um I've got to ask you, where were you actually born? Jamaica. Yeah. Okay, and do you know, can you pinpoint when you came to England? 89. 89. Mm. Okay, so I'm just trying to put into 89, you'd be looking really at the tail end of the um, probably modern romance type music. Um, less of the influence of reggae probably reggae's fairly constant I think all through the picture isn't it yeah after the passing of Bob Marley um, the the music kind of um, in general took a a different direction Um, and I think that was probably from a record company point of view and the executives I think that was probably uh, a deliberate thing because Bob Marley's message was so powerful and he was gathering the people from all nationalities and all race and I think they wanted to change that um, that narrative in terms of the message of the music. So yeah, for after his passing, the music's changed. Okay, really. so what age were you when you came to Birmingham? Uh, I came to Birmingham 95, so 96, I was 25. Okay, so really by 25, then you'd had a good early life experience oh, of yeah. Jamaica. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, um, um, I lived in uh, London, I lived in Brixton when I first came to the UK. But yeah, um, I mean, I've never lost my Jamaican-ness. 
I might have a, a, a British twang, <laughs> but you can still hear the Jamaican um, undertone there. But like going back and forth and visiting, yeah. So I've never left. And, uh, as, and now with technology now, even although I haven't been there in the last two or three years, with technology, with internet and YouTube and all that, I can keep up to speed with what's happening in terms of the musical culture, which I do. I do um, keep up with the new artists and the new music. Mind you, it's not any good. The music that's coming out now is really, really um, derogative and quality-wise, there's no substance to it. Okay. There are still individuals who are doing the very good music, but on the wider scale, on the general purpose, the music is... You see, over, over my lifetime, we really have got used to mixed-race marriages. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, the TV seems to be promoting a lot of the problems for me. Mm -hmm. I think it's almost like they're looking for things that can be a little bit disruptive. Uh, although, I think if the problem is still there, and it obviously is, then we've got to find an answer to it. So, do you know where Bob Marley got his musical roots and his ideas from where did they come from? Uh, the Rastafari faith. The Rastafari faith. They, like I said, in the 1930s before, because he was born in 1945. In the 1930s, through the resistance of um, the colonial um, rulers, um, the Rastas, uh, they identify with Africa, Ethiopia, Marcus Garvey, and it all stemmed from there. Is that? Is that? Um, they call it Pan-African. Okay, Marcus Garvey, uh, that was, uh, uh, there was an artist, wasn't there? He Marcus. was actually, um, he was a freedom fighter. He was a politician, if you like. He was um, a statesman, if you like. He was someone who was the father of Pan-Africanism, Pan if you want to say that. He influenced Malcolm X, Martin Luther King. He influenced a lot of black conscious people. So he's from Jamaica, St. Anne's, the same parish as uh, Bob Marley. But from that awareness of saying we need to see our own self in our own eyes, or we need to see our own king in our own eyes, mm -hmm. you know, just like everyone else. It says the Chinese gotta, if he's gonna show his God, it's gonna be Chinese. If the, <laughs> if the white man's gonna see his God, so to speak, he's gonna be a white God, and any other nationality. So Marcus Garvey was saying that we need to see our destiny in ourselves as ourselves and not no, no other race or no nothing. So it, it started from self-identity, identifying who you are, identifying where you need to go to. And Bob Marley, Rastas came out of that and Bob Marley was influenced based on that. So yeah, I think the message was... was, was it's um, interesting this, Michael, because mm -hmm. my family keeps telling me, oh, you must go to Ireland. Mm -hmm. You've got. I haven't been to Ireland yet. Yeah, yeah. And I will go. Yeah. I was educated by the Irish Christian Brothers. Yeah. I was brought up in a family that obviously was very Irish in traditions. Mm -hmm. uh, my dad used to play the fiddle, for example. Um, but I never have felt this thing that I must go and visit where my granddad came from I, I just doesn't really bother me yeah. you know because this is where I live I can't influence that part of history but um, going to Bob Marley am I right did I read that he was influenced by Ray Charles yeah I mean not only Ray Charles I mean the he liked um, well the musical influence for most of the original Jamaican musicians and artists then even still now but then mainly because they were used to listen to all the American music. It was all the American stuff. Okay, going to play a bit of Ray Charles and then we'll yeah. uh, look at maybe a bit of Ray. Yeah. 
treat me wrong. Come and love you, daddy, all night long, all night long. Hey, hey, all right. See the girl with the diamond ring? She knows how to shake that thing all right now. Send you back to Arkansas Oh, yes, ma'am You don't do right Don't do right When you see me in misery Come on, baby, see about me now, Okay, now the reason why I let it go for quite a while is because it's instrumental mainly. Uh, he comes in, I, I listen to people, they talk about he's got a black voice. I don't really think about that. I just think he's got a great voice. And I think to see what I did see when he was alive, uh, somebody that could play when he was blind and he was blinded when he was sort of four or five a glaucoma apparently it was that worsened and his dear mother went and took him to somewhere where they teach him musical braille which i hadn't even heard of at the time you know but um okay what does that music do for you well the music um for starters um as a music lover you know when i say music lover i mean like all genre music um and the beat the tempo it gives you that happy feeling, that movements, and in terms of his um, delivery and the simple lyrics, but the delivery of it, and that's what attracts me to you know, an artist like Ray Charles, and like I've mentioned to you, some others as well. It's it's not so much the person, but it's the way they do what they do. And you, in reference to someone saying it's got a black voice, I think it's more mainly just their lack of expression to say it's got a voice with soul. That's something the vocals touches resonate with your inner being, with your inner soul, and that's the beauty of it. I got thinking about so this. So that is the main thing, and you know, it's not everyone's got that kind of ability to Oof. to resonate amazing with, in a frequency that connects with your soul and your spirit. And Rachel is one of those. And there's there's a, a, a quite a good handful of those singers. I, I mentioned that thing about the black voice because mm. um, I've noticed on the TV now they use they use a lot more uh, continuity guys and. I can tell the voice now when it's not a white guy. Nine times out of ten, th- there's always going to be an exception. Uh, but we, we vibrate different, you know. We, it, it, there is, it's isn't a it? different vibration. It's a different frequency, different vibration. Some people can train themselves to do it, and some people can born with that vibration. But in general, yeah, it's a different sound. Okay. Um, I mean, we could talk, uh, we could do a whole thing on Ray Charles, and we probably will do it sometime some, in the future. We'll take artists. And <laughs> just, what I want to do next, I want to I play you uh, a piece of music which um, 
I won't say too much because I think to start with, you might think, why is he playing me this? Uh, that Ray Charles is actually uh, six minutes long. This is a bit different. See what you think of this. is looking at me as if to say what on earth we just listened to did you like it to start I love with? it because um, I, I know of the, the tune I, I don't know exactly who is the artist or the musician who's playing it but we have influenced reggae music from that same melody uh, a guy called Jacob Miller sung a song in the same tune how interesting same melody so music has like you know has always influenced the reggae as well as reggae influenced other genres same vice versa so I know the music how interesting yes. because basically um I love it. It's one of my earliest influences of music. Mm-hmm. I was 19. I had gone across to uh, take part in a big judo tournament in Paris. Mm-hmm. And uh, just, you know, after we'd done the tournaments and everything, we were looking around Paris. We got to the left bank. Uh, we went up to Montmartre. And uh, basically, the heavens opened. The rain came down and we dashed into the first little bar mm-hmm. where at the far end and it was pretty well shaped as my garden is here which is uh, down to like the stage at the bottom mm-hmm. and you could see all this sort of white smoke coming up and then you had them playing this Dave Brubeck number called Take Five. Oh. That memory stayed with me all my life. Yeah. And uh, I'm told by people who know far more about these things than I do that um, it was a very, very difficult type of uh, piece of music to play because it's 4-5 or something, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is not something that I immediately relate to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's jazz. And, yeah. of course, the thing is... Yeah. When you went to France, and my sister, who lived in France for many years, um, she was, and she became a big aficionado of uh, French. And, Mm. you know, it was, that is just terrific for me. Yeah, music, um, you know, you mentioned the the beat of the song, 4-5. 
um, like reggae is normally 4-4 four, four and sometimes 4-2 um, but ultimately whatever the f I, I keep using the, the frequency term because I'm kind of kind of highlighting with that no one engaging with that because we all we all vibrating at a certain frequency and anything that's pleasing to your vibration and you absorb it you love it it doesn't matter what genre it be reggae it could be jazz it could be soca it could be rock any any genre as long as it's in the right frequency that your vibration connects to you will love it and and that's what that's what makes a good tune it's so realistically a good tune is a good vibration a good frequency that connects with you so when we when i was in my club playing rastaman vibrations yeah that's what that was all about here's yeah. another artist to listen to my Chaos for 
Okay, Eunice Kathleen Wayman, known professionally Nina Simone. Don't forget, I've got the advantage of reading this, so just to make sure nobody thinks it's all coming fluently, I am actually reading that she was an American singer, songwriter, pianist, and here we go civil rights activist her music spans styles including classical folk gospel blues jazz r&b and pop now uh this bit is where it gets very interesting when she has there's so many times you'll hear something like this the sixth of eight children born from a poor family in north carolina Uh, she worked uh, and initially aspired to be a concert pianist with the help of a few supporters in her hometown she enrolled in the Juilliard School of Music in New York City she then applied for a scholarship to study at the Curtis Institute of Music in Philadelphia where despite a well-received audition she was denied admission which she attributed to racism in 2003 just days before her death the Institute awarded her an honorary degree I mean she's been fantastic I think uh, anybody who can't see it straight away and can't understand that aspect of life the racist bit you know these are just evil people and I've had evil people who could have helped me in my life Um, you can see it clearly when maybe it's a a white person on a black person or a black person on another black person etc etc but um, to make a living she started playing piano at a nightclub in Atlantic City she changed her name to Nina Simone to disguise herself from family members which is really sad having chosen to play the devil's music or so-called cocktail piano she was told in the nightclub she would have to sing to her own accompaniment which effectively launched her career as a jazz vocalist she went on to record more than 40 albums and her musical style fused gospel and pop with classical music and we've been looking at the other sort of stuff you like her obviously oh yeah nina is a, a genius and like i said um similar to to ray charles and similar to bob marley i think you know you have to be a genius in terms of to break through to you know she mentioned all the struggles and the um the the setbacks that she had to go through to be established as as we know her as a legend in my view as one of the greats so yeah 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 genius genius uh, you see, there are similarities that come into both Ray Charles, um, you know, the piano, obviously. And then I am searching all my memory banks to try and come up with something that immediately I can relate to. Emile Ford, uh, great hit maker. What do you want to make those eyes at me for? Slow Boat to China, various other songs. Was somebody I got to know very well in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And Emile used to come to our house and we'd sit and we'd talk. And he was one for always going on about the forces of good and the forces of evil. Mm-hmm. He had people who wouldn't allow him to... Um, to continue trying to produce this whatever it was that he had he had a component which i saw him do this mm-hmm. he went to a, a speaker cabinet which was underneath a table mm-hmm. whatever he made his adjustment he used to uh, go in and do that uh, and the whole room would hear clearly exactly the sound he wanted people to hear mm-hmm. and he was a great one for telling me um, about his sound and only uh, he could explain how he only could hear it quite interesting because we're talking about vi- vibrations aren't yeah, we? frequency and vibration yeah that, that is so that's so key 
and that's why um, people spend uh, millions, thousands to get a studio to a certain sound. But with the advent of computers now, I think that's got a negative effect in terms of the quality of the music that's being produced. And even myself, I'm guilty because of economics, because of access to studio. You are self-taught and you're going through that process of creating. I think the music, most of it now is like, we call it fast food music, like, you know, you know, burger and chips music. There's no sustenance in it anymore, you know, like Ray Charles music, Nina Simone with the arts and the, 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 that, that musicianship that goes into making and producing the music, the arrangements. Same with Bob Marley and many other you know, hit groups, Beatles. That energy of musicianship and, and, and um, compose, the, the composition and the, 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 the arrangement of the songs, that's kind of not there anymore. Isn't the problem really when you hear an original? Mm -hmm. If you're going to be creative and if you're going to be super creative mm -hmm. and improve on the original, mm -hmm. there's got to be something that you yourself were attracted to to start with. Oh, yeah. So then by taking it and changing it to the way you want it to be, yeah. and then you've just got to cross your fingers and hope other people are going to see yeah. in what you've created what attracted you which does not now exist yeah yeah it's 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 taking it and making it uh, a version of your own that the way you interpret it music is interpretation you know uh singers you hear the music um and you interpret the music with the lyrics and sometimes the lyrics might come from the ethos it might come from a personal experience you might you might see something on the telly you might hear something in the news somebody might say something somebody might just say a funny phrase and you say you know that could go with that music so yeah it's it's interpreting it the way you but, are but it's it's who it. who becomes right and who then is wrong because you'll have alternatives of good but most people especially in the business people like ourselves that you know been around music for a long time mm -hmm. you know something that's intrinsically good you know other things which are a bit messy and then you listen to things like the punk music which of course was a uh, an angry music yeah you it was a ferocious music it was mm. played with ferocity mm. it was played with angry lyrics mm -hmm. and nastiness mm -hmm. and then of course the groups used to behave in a way that could be really criticized for being absolutely disgusting you know to urinate on the audience that have come to see you sing that sort of stuff yeah and, and again they did that because there was a market for it there was the the audience that they were appealing to at the time obviously resonate with that disgusting feeling of whatever oppression is in their view whatever their rebel rebellion against what they were rebelling but if we're going to go anywhere michael it is is that kind of uh, would you agree with me if mankind is going to go anywhere mm -hmm. i think people have got to get back to understanding the difference between something that's classy mm -hmm. and something that's tacky I mean, we both have looked at Ray Charles and we both looked at Nina Simone. And if we then look at something that's gone through the British TV at the moment, mm -hmm. which is to do with somebody who's binary, uh, but wants to get on stage uh, as somebody who looks like a man wearing female garb and uh, deciding that he's going to be called a plural them or they, uh, you, you know, you've got to have a bit of sanity in, in the world somewhere. 
Well, it you know in terms of in terms of how the world is changing and how everyone the 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 different societies like it comes down to identity. The identity of one's belief and one's way of life has now become um, prominent, and and I think you know individuals who identify with that kind of um, identity realize now's the time to actually show the true colors. So it's. It's when society. Society's kind of opening up. No, really no, no. I, I, if you look, if you go back to basics, yeah. And in school, they're telling young children to be free to express themselves the way they feel. Whether it be you have two um, a parent, you've got the same sex parent, uh, you have, you know. So it's it's society opening up to this. Before, back in the day, you would never had this. Okay, let me just so tell you. Let me just tell you as a teacher that went back halfway through my life to learn not to tell but to learn and to be uh, given the uh, materials to be a good teacher we know about ages and stages you do not tell young children that they've got to be male female and transgender binary any of these other the value, ridiculous things that are going the va- on the value let, systems change no you've got to let children become adults but you must let them be children first well you have to tell the authorities that we <laughs> i have no control we have no control it's the ones who are in the control of the system and they are they are changing the value system we need some music yes <laughs> Stevie Wonder, of course. Uh, Absolute genius. Fantastic. Where did I first hear of him? Um, Came into my sphere of influence when I think he was 13 and he released Fingertips Part 2, I think, came before Part 1. It was a strange thing, uh, but you had this little lad who could play the harmonica. And, I mean, the harmonica was almost as big as him. to, To think of the similarities between Ray Charles and Stevie Wonder in the fact that they didn't have the gift of sight. Um, 
and to be able to do what he did and then of course I used to love music in the key of life I think was the the one that really and talking book was another one yeah. what a guy fantastic okay uh, your thoughts on Stevie oh Stevie uh, as you say like he's one of the greatest genius um, yeah again you, you've played we've played um, four different genres there um, and they're all special in their own way but it just brings me back to the point that it's the music good beats good 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 um, arrangement musically and then the actual lyrics simple lyrics and the delivery of it and that marrying that together and I think Stevie does that and oh, and, and everyone else that we've mentioned it's the 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 music is like a a garment and the artist actually puts that garment on and 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 and, and, sh- and show it off and they do that quite well so stevie you know without a shadow of a doubt i think the more talented people are the less often they have to dress up and shock and you know i think you see th- this is where i i probably am a bit of a dinosaur uh, i look i like to see people with talent yeah. it infers to me that they've spent hours on their craft they've already had probably an innate something that started them off they've met somebody bought them an old guitar or a, a harmonica or whatever um but you see i just like talented people yeah no it's marketing talent is secondary you'd have to be talented you have just have to have the right market uh marketeer behind you um the right campaign is there a really a and need that's, that's what it is is there a need to shock do you think um you know you, you go back to when you say the punk days and the punk musicians that was part of a shock and awe thing and and i think it's always there you know if you want controversy that sells somebody wants to be create a bit of um buzz about about what they're doing whether they're releasing a new album or they're coming up with something to shock shock to get the attention is that we're living into that we talk attention seeking society well we talk some quite heavy stuff when when we're we're out and uh, looking at things in general but it's healthy because obviously you'll take a view on one thing and i'll tell you the way i feel yeah and for me i go back to this idea of the devil's music because that came up many many times certainly with rock and roll and before that Mm. um and now you see you have actually got enough evidence to see that there are ways that you can present music in a nice calm nice fashion Mm -hmm. okay um then you go to the other extremes we mentioned the punk rock stuff um i've mentioned this uh furore that's on the british tv at the moment and realistically i mean does a man a all right a b c they them whatever he wants to call himself or Mm -hmm. she calls himself Mm -hmm. or her Mm -hmm. you see in language it gets sloppy and difficult to say what we're talking about yeah no. but is that really what's going on is it that people are trying to confuse the issue because that's where that's I think an we element are. of it definitely an element of um creating confusion uh and um yeah you know, it goes back to that the message of good and message of evil so to speak um yeah so without a shadow of a doubt there is a, a element of confusion in terms of you know identifying yourself you're not sure uh, and you imposing your own um, self-expression to the world. I mean. Well, we're not, though, are we? The world is over- owned by two companies, BlackRock and Vanguard. 
it can be traced back to two companies, which means that the whoever owns those two companies are deciding through their media companies and outlets what we like or what we think we like because we're only being made available to a certain amount of exposure to certain good things and whilst they are the agendas being fulfilled because i think this is all a disguise i think it's all a smokescreen to get on with what they're doing and keep us all in debate keep us all in confusion about race about religion about sexual identity about you know every other conflict that's happening in society right now well whilst they're doing whatever it's still doing whatever that secret agenda is i don't know agenda 2030 you, folks you tell me about that i don't know <laughs> go and look at it it could be anything it's yeah. on every single government website <laughs> people are affected by it and yet i know there is something of that effect you told me and, and i know michael it's, it's been a pleasure again and uh, we'll leave stevie wonder to um, express the sentiment Absolutely. catch you next time thank you thank you for having me no summer's high, no warm July, no harvest moon to light one tender August night, no autumn breeze, no falling leaves, not even time for birds to Southern sky, no Libra sun, no high.